Growing pains. Growing pains. Growing pains. Growing pains. Welcome to Growing Pains. Food is something that we experience from a really young age. We all remember meals that our parents and loved ones cooked for us. And for most of us, food forms a vital part of our culture and brings back our earliest lived memories. As you move from childhood to adulthood and are thrust into the world of managing your budget, it can be difficult to explore your passions around food whilst also sticking to your budget and paying the bills. So how do you embrace good food on a budget and maybe even create a pathway for yourself into the food industry. My guest today is a seasoned professional when it comes to food. It all started when a 12-year-old Johnny DeFrancesco began working in a pizzeria after school so he could buy a pair of sneakers his parents couldn't afford. Working his way up the ranks, Johnny developed an undeniable love for the food he was creating and by the age of 15, he was hooked. The time came for Johnny to head off to university and begin a degree in engineering. It was during a first year lecture when Johnny found himself daydreaming about the physics of pizza dough and he realised he was taking notes on the wrong subject. Johnny politely excused himself and never returned and his life as a restaurateur began when he opened his first venue at the age of 19. Johnny learned a lot in that one university lecture, namely, go after what you want and work bloody hard at it. Starting from that lecture, we fast forward through a few burnt slices and an extended trip to Italy, thousands of tomatoes with the right amount of basil to launch the now world-renowned restaurant 400 Gradi in 2008. 400 Gradi embodies Johnny's passion and love of food and has resulted in the expansion of the Gradi Group across Melbourne from Brunswick to Essendon, Eastland, Yarra Valley, Crown Casino and across the border to Adelaide, overseas to Kuwait, Bahrain, New Zealand and now Texas. Johnny even has restaurants on board the Pino's Pacific Explorer cruise ship. By 2014, he was crowned World Pizza Champion after producing the benchmark Margarita at the annual competition in Parma, Italy. The title has helped him become a pizza mogul and 400 Gradi a household name. So, let's get started as we explore Johnny and how he's taken his passion of food all around the world and how he started it all on a really tight budget. Johnny, welcome to Growing Pains. Thanks for having it's me on. It's a pleasure to have you here. No, I haven't seen you in person for a little while. It's um, We keep doing this, I call it the COVID cha-cha of like in my house, out of my house, in my house, out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Um, but you are currently sitting in your new restaurant, which is incredibly exciting. Um. It's a bit cold on this cold Melbourne day that we're recording, um, but how are you today? Yeah, I'm good. You know, just uh, over here in Mornington and uh, waiting to have this uh, this place finish. It's been, you know, about a year and a, and a bit now um, that we've been building. So, 
it's we're getting close and it's uh, getting exciting. So I just can't wait to uh, see the finished product. Mm. It's very, very exciting. Um, yeah. I think growing and building anything is exciting. Now, our listeners, now I'm mindful that we have lots of different listeners that will be listening to this podcast, but the ones that we are creating it for may not have ever created something as grand as a restaurant. Um, Before we get stuck into you and your history and your experience in that space, um, I want to do a little rapid fire just so we can loosen you up and get to know a little bit about you. So, do you actually consider yourself to be a grown-up adult? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Um, that, maybe, maybe physically I do, but mentally I still um, probably have a little bit of that kid side of me. Um, I've seen you with our good friend Harry. When yeah. the two of you get together, it's like yeah. being with kids. I'm often yeah. like, guys, we've got stuff to do. <laughs> Yeah, really cheap. Yeah, I think you know, I think people take life too serious and, and you know, and, and I put myself in that category as well. I mean, we, we take life serious because there are um serious parts of our lives that we need to make sure that we're, you know, doing. And then there's also, you know, not forgetting that in a in a kid that, you know, likes still having a little bit of fun and, and stuff. And, you know, I I run that, you know, 80, 80, 20 or, or 90, 10 rule. You know, 80% serious, 20%, you still got to have some fun, you know, and some people go to the extreme of 90, 10, 90% serious, 10% fun. Um, and I think that's where you need you need that balance. So I still, yeah, consider myself. So not you know, quite fully grown adult yet. Yeah. Maybe never. By the sounds of it. <laughs> um, so can you share with us your most embarrassing adult fail moment? Most embarrassing adult. Not business, at like just poor adulting. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Your face just then you were like, I've got it. <laughs> yeah, I think it was picking up my daughter from kinder, my younger daughter, and, you know, putting her in my uh, front seat of my car. Admittedly, it was only a two-seater. And, um, okay, well, there you go. So I didn't have any choice, but uh, I think the biggest embarrassment was, uh, you know, being being stopped and, and told that uh, I had to walk home or get someone to pick my daughter up. <laughs> <laughs> she would have been crazy. like four or five or something at the time. Little. Yeah, she would have been, it was kinder, so she would have been, you know, four, yeah, about four. Yeah, so she wasn't in a baby seat, but she's still no. small. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's yeah. pretty funny. And that's like parenting fail and adult fail all rolled into one. All in one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, who comes to mind as the more grown-up adult that you rely on? Um, maybe my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. I think my husband would say the same thing about me. Maybe. Yeah. I think I think I think so. I think that's that's probably the person I'll lean go to. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, if you were to choose someone to play you in a movie, what actor would you choose to play you today, Johnny today, and then Johnny like in his seventies or eighties? Um, maybe Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so Johnny Depp today, Johnny um, Johnny Depp 
playing Johnny today. And what about Johnny in his 80s? Um, that's a hard one, isn't it? <laughs> well, just older, 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 more, more mature. Johnny. Yeah. Um, Kevin Costner. Yeah. <laughs> He's just a cool dude. There's going to be <laughs> listeners that are like, who? Like, because yeah. like, there is an 18-year-old listening going, who's Kevin Costner? Who are these people? Yeah. yeah. Who are these people? Oh, I think most people know Johnny Depp, probably because of Pirates of the Caribbean and stuff like that. But, you know, classics like Edward Scissorhands and, yeah, they have no idea what we're talking about. No. <laughs> That's when I know that I'm old when I refer to movies and people are like, what? I'm like, oh, yep. Okay, I'm feeling my age, but <laughs> so for those of you listening out there, you you know you've heard Johnny's intro, um, you've got an understanding of the work that he's already done, um, but you've had food in your life for a really long time, and mm-hmm. you know I've heard the story of the fact that you were working at the age of twelve to buy some shoes, from my understanding. Um, so was it food that was driving you at that point or was it the shoes? And um, was food already a big part of your life and were you passionate about it beforehand? Yeah, look, growing up in the Italian family, food's always part of the culture anyway. So, you know, that's pretty much where you, you communicate at the dinner table with everybody and, you know, sort of, uh, you know, we were, maybe we took food for granted because, you know, you're, that's something that you is never missing in a, um, a European family, um, you know, background. So, so that we're, we're always eating. Um, so food was always there. But was was it my passion? Probably not, to be honest with you. And and it was, I think, um, the the drive was more about wanting to uh, be able to get things that I wasn't able to have as a child. So that that's where the the, the initial drive came from. My, my my first passion really was um, music, you know. So I wanted okay. to I wanted to be a, um, a drummer, and that was something that I was devoted to, and and did that for a very long time. And then, um, you know, not having the opportunity to continue that because of you know circumstances, um, I just had to go off and you know work. So that yeah, was, yeah, and then food, yeah. food then become. Um, uh, one of my my passions, you know. I think I think probably at the age of fifteen or sixteen, I decided uh, this is really what I do want to do now. Yeah, mm-hmm. but even at fifteen, sixteen, you started taking a slightly different pathway um, because you were meant to be an engineer. You, yeah, you got about halfway through. It's not really you got a day in, but it sounds in. about a few days day in. in. Yeah, day in. <laughs> um. That's a really different pathway. And I can actually, like my son is on that pathway right now. He's in year 11, he's um, doing his VCE and he's doing all of his subjects to be an engineer. He likes food too, so maybe he'll change his mind. Let's wait and see. But <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> Tell him not to do it. But, um, you know, you've had the, you had this pathway and then you changed. Um, what were the biggest challenges that you faced changing from what was a pretty logical career path to something that was really passion-fueled? Look, you know, I think I think sometimes we we want we want to sort of 
you know, impress or make our, our parents happy and, you know, them knowing that, you know, you're, you're going to university and you're following a career path that's going to have some type of education behind it, et cetera. And I think at that time that was more my decision why I wanted to be an engineer. It wasn't because I was passionate about wanting to be an engineer. It was more about uh, this will make maybe my parents proud of me because, you know, I've taken a higher education and done something different. Yeah. So the for me to change my mind from going, you know, wanting to be this engineer to mm-hmm. continue on the, on the path of, of food, wasn't very difficult for me apart from what are my parents going to think um but apart from that everything else was was sort of you know the stars sort of all aligned and I didn't Mm. need to worry too much about it after I got over that fear of how am I going to now communicate (laughs) I'm not going to do this engineering course Mm. Um, but it was it was fine because I had I had the support you know I mean both my parents said you know, do what do what you think um, is going to make you happy. Not, you know, it's got nothing to do with us. We're not engineers, so it doesn't really matter what you want to do. Yeah, wow, and that's really like refreshing because I, mm. uh, you know, that's not always the story. And and I even think about my children, and I know you've got kids as well, and it can be hard because you can see all sometimes all the work that even gets you into the degree in the first place like you've got to work pretty hard at high school to get certain grades to even apply to be um an engineer student mm. so that's fantastic that you had that support from the very beginning and and that passion had already been fueled you know from such an early age um yeah, and, with and, the drive. And also i think i think it conditioned me as well like now mm. in my in my adulthood having my own children Mm. I don't have any expectations of, of what I want them to be. I have expectations of what they want to be and what the outcome yeah. for them. And so it's made it really easy for me because I had that um, option myself. Now yeah. my kids say to me, oh, I really want to do this. I, I'm really easy at saying that's what you want to do, follow your dreams, put 100% yeah. in and that's it. Like there's no, I never push back, you know, mm. let let, let I think, you know, I, I started in business so young and, you know, for me at that age, I thought that my life was over if I didn't hurry up and, and, and you know, do what I wanted to do. But now, you know, at at my uh, ripe age of 43 years old, I look back and I think that was so young. Like I've got a 20-year-old daughter. It's like her now starting a business I'm not sure if, you know, <laughs> if that would be a good idea. I, I, yeah. I would prefer that she would make, you know, many decisions along the way and then really find something that she's passionate about and, and go mm. off and do it. I mean, I think we've, I think from the age of 20 to about 30, you should be able to change your mind at least a million times. Yeah, yeah. And I think we live in a world today where that is possible um you know the age of the internet gives us the capacity you can actually start a business in in today's time where you you know you register a website you get an abn you don't need a lot these days to register and get a business now to be a successful business owner and what we believe to be those kind of overnight unicorns that 
like there's no such thing. We know that mm-hmm. there's years and years and years that sit behind those businesses. But um, to actually start one probably is a lot easier than what it used to be. But I agree. Um, there's a lot that happens between the age of 20 and 30. and Definitely. It's an opportunity to really try lots of different things. But as you said, like you started your first restaurant um, at a really early age. Um, How did you manage your budget at the time? And I'm curious, as we're talking about food, what were you eating? Were you just eating the food at the restaurant or were you going home and cooking or were you just sleeping there? Like what was going on with your budget and your food whilst being a 19-year-old opening your first business? Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure if I knew anything about budgeting at 19 years old. <laughs> I knew about survival, I think. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like every day was just day by day or day to day survival uh, mode. Um, especially at 19 years old, getting into a business and not understanding really the fundamentals behind what it takes to actually run a business and then not understanding that you know you start seeing all these costs that you've never experienced in your life. At 19, you know, unless you've moved out of home at 18 or even earlier and you're, you're paying rent and electricity and all the other utilities that come with it, that's great. But then there's also other things on top of that that you never, ever are exposed to at that age, you know, insurances and work cover and it, and all these all these things. Yeah, and their business expenses. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. The budgeting really wasn't uh, something on the high priority list. It was more about how I'm going to survive. Um, but your question about food, I was just eating every day, um, you know, at my own my own restaurant. You know, we were open um, breakfast, lunch, and dinner at the start, mm. and I was literally working six a.m. till like one a.m. pretty much every day. Um, wow. And so that was just that survival mode. Um, but yeah. you know, the, the the budgeting came in later, like really understanding. I think I think the first three or four years of of um, being in business was. The uh, my my education, so I was mm. was doing on on the job education. I didn't do a, a you know yeah. business course or anything like that. So that's where I started to understand. Okay, I need to understand everything about the business, and not only understanding how good, you know how how well I need to cook or present my food or service my food. That's one aspect, but there's also that business side of it, and I learned that on the job. Yeah. Wow. Well, I wouldn't be complaining if I got to just eat at your restaurant, breakfast, lunch and dinner. It was funny, just before we started recording, you know, my husband and I both work from home most days and um, he was like, I kind of just feel like pizza for some reason. And I went, that's because I told you I was speaking to Johnny today. And he's like, oh, that's what it is. (laughs) It's like in his psyche that he automatically started thinking about pizza when I mentioned your name. (laughs) Yeah, you've Im- you've embedded that in our brains. We hear you or we hear Grady and we just think of your food, which is probably not a bad thing. It's good marketing. Yeah. <laughs> so today, obviously not on that tight budget, not hopefully not working 6 a.m. to 1 a.m. anymore, oh. um, not every day, maybe some days. Um, what are you eating now? What are the kind of recipes that you think are accessible um, and what are you fueling your body with? Um, look, I, I eat really like different every day. I don't have a set menu or, you know, sometimes I'll just come home and open the fridge and see what's in the fridge and, and just cook something up. Um, mm-hmm. But I think 
you know, what's really um, accessible these days to anybody really are, you know, really good ingredients. You know, you, mm. you go through go through your, you know, to a supermarket or, you know, a small um, deli, you can pick up some really great things that don't take too long to prep um, and, mm-hmm. and that are really healthy. So, you know, a lot of people always turn to that uh, fast food option. And, and I think that mindset needs to change, especially in the younger generation. I mean, it's so easy now to just jump on an app, find a burger yeah, or, or a, you know, whatever, anything that's sort of fast yeah, food. Yeah, all accessible on your phone, yeah. Yeah, it's at the tip of your finger, you know, it's at your fingertips. Mm. So I think, I think um, you know, understanding really simple fundamentals on, on cooking is, is not too hard to, to learn. Um, and you can make some really good wholesome meals at home that are so, so easy. I mean, you know, yeah. you know pick up a really good piece of fish or a nice nice uh, steak or something and, and just, and, and you know, cooking it is not that hard. People think, oh, it's really hard to cook. No, it's not. But, you know, and and cooking is so, so subjective that you can cook it to your liking anyway. You're at home. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not yeah. having to impress anybody. Mm-hmm. No, so, that's so true. We do that at home. I mean, and and hats off to to my wife. I she cooks pretty much most of the times that I that I'm at home. You know, I've heard this that most people that work in food they don't cook at home, like which makes sense because like what you do all day every day for your job, like that's the last thing you want to do when you get home. Well, I actually love someone cooking a meal for me. You know, it's mm, you're cooking yeah, true. meal. Yeah, you're cooking for everybody. You know, pretty much every day of your life, and then you get to a point where it's actually nice to sit down and have something that's being prepared by somebody else, nothing to do with anything that you do or any of your recipes or anything, just from their heart. And you and mm. you sit there and it's like, this is the best food I've ever had in my life. Mm. You know, and that's because yeah, that's it's you appreciate that you have that on the table. Um, mm. So Yeah. So your wife not only is the more senior adult, but she's the one that keeps you fueled. And fed and loved, which is which is very lovely. They're very lovely to hear. Um, so, for our listeners out there who are passionate about food, so we often hear that old cliche. Well, it's not an old cliche. This current cliche of you know young people spend too much money on avocado and toast, and that's why they have no money and blah 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 blah. So, I think young people are very passionate about food. They know often the things they like, but for those who may have had that hesitance to try foods or whatever else is is there like a go-to place where you explore recipes or where you've seen people doing really accessible stuff that people can try because as you said like I know I'm a vegetarian and even I know that it's not that hard to cook a steak like I it's like I cook all the time Um, but I've also grown up in an ethnic household where food is just such a part of our culture um is there a go-to or is it just like obviously we have the internet so yeah, things are easy I to think find it's so so accessible these days you know i mean mm. you can open up instagram pages and see people like home cooks showing you know what they can cook at home and you can take ideas from that um or you can go on to you know chef's pages you know just research a chef that you may that may you know inspire you and and you want to replicate something that they're doing there's so much information 
out there. Like I, I recently, um, I recorded the full masterclass on on my um, Peter Doe and yeah. my whole class. There's five modules of it, and I gave that out for free. You know, normally mm. people um, pay for that, and what I did was during during the lockdown, I said, you know what, I want to give back. So we we just said take the modules for free this is the link go on there and it's and it's yours and you know and i think and i and i've had so much great response from it because people jump on there and people that you know haven't been able to you know ever come to a class or not seen anything that done online for me that was something that i wanted to give back so and there's so many chefs out there that are doing things like that which are which is great um so it's really um accessible there's not there's not limitation on it and avocado on toast let me tell you, that is probably one of the, the craziest things I've ever heard in my life, that people are actually going out and getting avocado on toast. It doesn't take much to, to peel a freaking avocado, okay, because I'm going to start I'm gonna get the chef out of me now and start swearing, and I don't want to do that. But, you know, for anyone that doesn't know how to cut an avocado, it's really simple. Just cut it in half and just pull it apart. The bone will come out. Imagine with a fork. Just take a knife, hit it in the sense, and the bone comes out, okay? Grab yourself a spoon, scoop it all out, cut it with a knife, poach yourself or fry some eggs or poach or scramble, whatever the hell you like, and put the avocado on the toast. The toast, you can just put in a toaster, yeah? <laughs> so, you know, it's it's true. It drives me crazy. And I've done it too, you know. I've gone out with the kids and, the, uh, uh, you know, the family and we're sitting at a, um, a cafe and you're paying $18, $19 or $20, $5 sometimes. <laughs> For avocado and toast and some poached eggs and some and some mushrooms, I know people say, "Oh, that's that's crazy. Why are people doing that?" But a restaurant or a cafe have so many expenses, so it's understandable. Mm-hmm. But if you yeah. really love that and you can't afford to do that every day, because people do spend so much money on dumb things, if mm-hmm. you know going out, I love going out for lunch. I love going out for dinner. But there's also moderation for everybody, right? And I'm saying this and I'm in the restaurant game. Mm. So if you love something that much, you know, you can learn or teach yourself how to cook it at home. It's, yeah. I mean, especially when it comes to eggs and stuff. Oh. <laughs> anyway. And there's, a, there's, if you're not sure how to make good avocado on toast with egg, if that's your preference, just Check it, check it out on YouTube. Like there is a YouTube video for everything. Um, but I agree. I always, I find that sort of stuff quite funny. And But I think it goes back to your point though. How nice is it when you can sit down, even at a restaurant, yeah. and just have someone That's- put something beautiful on a plate in front of you and you don't have to wash up and you know that even if it's at a restaurant, you know that it comes from a place of like passion and love and like yeah. the people that are making That's- the food. That's the are not that you pay for. That, that's, yeah, that's well, the privilege that you pay for. I mean, you know, and, and I hear and I talk to a lot of mates that've got cafes and, uh, and stuff and, they, and their biggest gripe is that people come in and, you know, example, and, you know, this is a bit crazy, but, you know, someone coming in saying, can I get hot water and lemon? And then they sit there and they're on the internet the whole day and they're using <laughs> the Wi-Fi and, and then they don't want to pay for the water and lemon because it's only water and lemon. Yeah, so like, don't know, be that person. And there's Just that as well. Either order some food or go to the library and use the internet. Yeah, you know, and, and people sort of sometimes they they think that it's it's actually you know their right to do that, but it's not. I mean, people are running a business, 
And, you know, and I joke about the avocado on toast, but let me tell you, avocados can get up, you know. Oh, they can be really expensive sometimes. Yeah. Right. So we we need to balance that out. You know, a lot of people um, criticise a lot of people that are in the hospitality industry on why is, you know, a dish or why why they're charging so much for a dish. We also got to understand that wages are so expensive, Mm. you know, and, and all the, all the expenses that come with it. So yeah. it's a bit of a joke about the avocado on toast, but, you know, that's just <laughs> more about, you know, teach yourself. If, if you can't afford to go out um, because, you know, you're, you're young and you're starting off and you're, you've got something else on mind that you want to put your, your money aside for or you want to start a, you know, a business or a side hustle or whatever it may be, you need to be mindful of all these little things that you are doing as well you know you you sort of got to give up on those little luxuries that you know you see everyone luxuries out in public because you can actually as you said like normally when you run the numbers you can have those luxuries at home and for a quarter of the cost yeah that's right and the the feeling of making something yourself or just sharing that load with people you live with or whatever else is 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 really rewarding and um when you start to really explore your own skills as a home chef, home cook, um, you can you can really stretch yourself and try different things. And as you said, make food that you like. So you might want to do something in it. Like you might look at a recipe and go, actually, I don't like that ingredient or that's got too much chili in it right. or whatever. And you just constantly adapt. That passion of like trying different recipes just exploring with produce and flavors and things that work for you can make the world of difference and that's how you can really like explore those passions um, and make things your own. Now you've talked about the restaurant game and the challenges and all the things that you don't really know but for someone who might be listening and thinking I love food, it's my passion, I'd really love to enter that space, is there a clear pathway to not necessarily become an owner of a restaurateur, but like into the food space? Is it, you know, that apprenticeship style or yeah. is it starting as a, you know, starting by just putting your applications into cafes and restaurants? Like what's the best pathway that you've seen works for most people? Look, I, I think it depends on what you want to do. So if you want to be, let's say, a chef, um, you know, i if I was starting all over again, I would be I would be going through you know the uh, trade school, um, mm. you know, and and I'm talking about proper trade school, not just you know these six month courses and then they give you a certificate. I'm talking about really doing an apprenticeship. I think that's the best yeah. way. And working with you know really good chefs, um, and and again depending on what level you want to get to and you know and I'm talking about being an owner, but as as a professional, if it's a chef. Um, you know, try and work with some of the best that you can find and also look overseas, you know, look at places in the UK or Europe um, and find, um, you know, places where you can go and do a stage, you know, so you can just go there and, and offer your, your uh, yourself, uh, you know, just to learn, you know, and we're talking, you know, one month, two months, and I think that's the best way to do it. I mean, I, that, that's what I was doing when I was a kid, you know. I, I would go into places and say, look, I'll, I'll work and, you know, don't pay me. I just want to want to learn and and stuff like that. And I know today people sort of frown upon that, um, mm. but I think it's the best way to learn. I think if you um, and I I find that if I'm 
going into a place where I'm giving my time and I'm not getting anything back from it apart from what I'm learning, I'm going to concentrate much, much more. But if I go to a person and they say, oh, we're going to pay you X amount and we're going to teach you, you still want to learn, but at the end at the end of it, you're you still got that thing, oh, at the end of the week, I'm still gonna get paid anyway. Yeah, the motivation is different. The motivation is is different. Whereas if you're doing it and there's no um, you know, payment for, for what you're gonna learn, you're really gonna put, you know, hundred percent concentration in that. And I did that in Italy. You know, I went and I worked in, in a few places and I was, you know, never got paid for it, wasn't, you know, wasn't worried about any of that stuff and that for me was more about gaining gaining knowledge that you couldn't even buy yeah that's yep. the difference mm-hmm. um and i think today that's what's lacking um in in, in professionals or people that want to get to a professional level so if you've got mm-hmm. that attitude i think you're going to be above above the um above the, the pack um, yeah. you know, it's all about the one percenters, you know, do do what yeah. I think it's it's all about doing what others will find impossible to ever think about doing yeah. or, or want to do is what is going to make you get on top of the um, top of the rank. So I think that as for a chef, I think people that want to get into hospitality and learn more about hospitality and tourism and, you know, maybe work in hotels and stuff, that's the path you want to go to. I think you still need to do some type of course um, just to mm-hmm. understand the fundamentals at least. When you go and apply for a job, you have some uh, credentials and also um, people take you serious because you have um, put your time into learning something about the industry before you even gone and said, I need a job because a lot of people see resumes, I need a job is more about I just want to be paid. Not, yeah, I just want the money. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, learn about the industry and there's a lot of books and a lot of stuff online, you know, that you can go to as well and you can, you know, you can self-teach yourself. You know, it doesn't doesn't mean because you go to school it's going to make you above everyone else. Um, mm. You don't have to go to school to learn cooking or anything like that. It's all about how much you want to learn. You can, mm. there's, you know, thousands and thousands, probably millions of different ways over the internet that you can find. And today it's so much easier because you can reach all these amazing chefs mm. that are overseas. Whereas when yeah, I was so growing true. up, you couldn't. You had to get on a plane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or buy a, a cookbook that was potentially yeah, out of date. And, and then that yeah. cost money as well because you had to go and buy the book. Mm. Whereas mm. today, yeah. you know, as long as you've got an internet connection, I'm sure everyone with an iPhone or an Android or whatever, they've got internet now, everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Ah, that's so true. Well, that totally makes sense to me and I am sure to the listeners out there who do have this passion and drive, um, there is that balance between, you know, doing what is more traditional learning um, and pathways to all the extra hours. It's the mastery piece of let's, you know, use as many hours as I can to master these skills because like anything, the more that you invest in something, the more time that you invest, the better that you'll be and and the more that you'll be able to give to your craft so very much I say yep yep they're the they're the stats I I I have so many thoughts on the whole mastery thing I find it really fascinating so you were already 
nearly a business owner at 18, but how, if you went back and gave your 18-year-old self some advice, what would it be? Um, I would probably say explore a little bit more. Um, I would have I would have probably wanted to um, spend a little bit more time um, with other people in the industry and, and, you know, probably get a little bit more knowledge and not only understand the cooking side but also understand what it takes to run a business. And, you know, I always knew that I was going to get into a business, you know, that that was that wasn't a it wasn't something that I woke up one day to and said oh, I think I might open a business I, that was something from a young age that I always knew it I didn't know what type of business but I always mm. knew that's what I wanted to do um, there was mm. no there was no negotiation for in my own mind for that um, so yeah. but I but I would probably have waited you know maybe a, another you know, five or eight years um, mm. and gained a little bit more experience and then, you know, jumped into into a business. Now, in hindsight, I, I can say that, but also what I the way I did it, my first 10 years was my education and it's probably made me resilient and strong in business mm. today because of that, because of all the challenges that I went through. It wasn't, it's never been smooth sailing. Um, yeah. Even today, we find challenges. I mean, look at you know the the the, the current climate that, that we're facing. You know, yeah, uh, with, yeah. with all these uh, things that are happening. But mm. I think those first ten years really um, helped me get through what we're going through now. Yeah, I've already yeah. been through so much hardship, so it's not something that I wasn't used to. Now it was, mm. okay, I know what it means to go through hard times, but now I also know what it means to get out of hard times and what I need to mm. do, and that helped me. So in hindsight, I would have probably taken an extra eight years if I'm talking to myself at 18, but would would that have prepared me for what's happening today? I'm not sure. Who knows? Mind you, Johnny at 12 15, 18 sounded like a bit of a go-getter. So I don't anticipate that that comes from nowhere. And I think when you look at the determination, even for a pair of Nikes, it's there. You you know, if you can survive your way or drive your way to a goal, even at such a young age, I think that that is normally a sign of someone that can do that no matter what the circumstance. So yeah, I think, uh, I, it, you know, it, I always I find that interesting when I think back to what would I have done and what would I change and often the answer is nothing but some um, some advice at 18 would have been nice. <laughs> yeah. um, mentors, well, mentors, that's something that mentors. I, you know, never had and that's, you know, it's something that, you know, maybe I wish I maybe did have because yeah. they could have helped me um go you know sort of avoid mm. all the errors yeah. that I did because yeah. all the errors that I did were just amateur things that were happening along the way but if I had somebody that guided me I would have mm. you know jumped that hurdle before I got there and rather than smashing in yeah yeah, because you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like no, exactly. The mistakes have already been made. And That's right. If you can avoid them, yeah, yeah. so true. The, the other thing that I do want to, 
you know, and I, and I say this also to, to my kids. I mean, you know, my kids are 20, uh, 17 and 14, and I, and I say this all the time. You know, guys, when an adult is giving you advice on something, it's, you know, it's, it's not because they don't want you to do or that they don't want you to achieve something. It's that they're mm. trying to open your mind to what could happen. Now, most times, if you're talking to somebody that is that has already done or achieved where you want to get to, I would listen to their advice. Mm. But if you're talking so to somebody true. that has never achieved or has never aspired <laughs> to achieve to where you want to get to and they give you advice, I wouldn't even listen, to be honest with just, you. Just smile and then politely excuse yourself from the conversation. <laughs> Yeah. So, so you know, maybe something that, you know, the guys that are listening to this right now, if, you know, and I'll give you a really easy example. If you want, if you want to be a property investor, don't ask people with advice, for advice that have never owned a property. Go and, <laughs> go and ask advice from somebody that has bought multiple properties or even double of what you would even imagine ever wanting to develop or whatever it is. Yeah. They are the best source of um, advice. Anyone else, buzz them out. So true. Brené Brown actually says this and and she takes a quote, um, I think, from Theodore Roosevelt who, and she talks about the arena and she's like, you know, I don't want to, I don't have time to listen to the critics that are throwing tomatoes and yelling stuff from, you know, the, the cheap seats who have never done anything, who have never been in the arena, who have never grazed their knees. You know, I want to be looking at listening to the people there with me um, or the people that have done, you know, they've got the scars to prove that they've done it. Um she says it far better. He says it far better than how I probably butchered that entire quote. But um you know, I, I live by that. You know, there's people out there in the arena doing their thing. Um, you can see them and they're the ones that get back up and they dodge all the tomatoes and the bad advice and all the, you know, internet trolls or whatever it is to just keep doing what they've got to do and, uh, you know, they've got their eye on the prize and they know what they're working towards and even if it is just picking up the skill of poaching an egg and putting on on some smashed avo if you've find got your best, eye on the prize find the best person <laughs> poaches the best egg in the world learn yep go watch their youtube video and and learn how to do it yeah <laughs> well it has been such a pleasure to chat to you and to hear all about food. I'm really hungry now. Me too, actually. <laughs> like, I'm not even joking. <laughs> I'm going to go eat. Um, for those of you who are listening who, one, have never had Johnny's food, oh, my goodness, where have you been? Um, we will have all the links to the show notes of all the places you can check out um, the incredible food that the team at Grady create, um, cookbooks, masterclasses, all of the things um, you can explore by just making sure that you connect with Johnny and his team. Um, you can learn about, you know, his world records and all of the, you've just done so many cool things. Um, but thank you for sharing with us today. And um, it's just been a pleasure. Oh, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure. To our listeners, we will chat to you again on the next episode of Growing Pains. Wow. So that was a fun chat. 
We even talked about Smash Avocado. <laughs> um, I really love the fact that Johnny, you know, he just talks from the heart. He's a guy that has well and truly pushed his way and worked his way to his success and has not spared a single moment where he, you know, hasn't had that grit and determination. But this passion for food and and good food has just been one of the key drivers from the very beginning. You know, he didn't set out to be a world champion. He didn't set out to necessarily even be a restaurateur. Like he he made it really clear to us that he knew that he was going to be in business, but he didn't really know what that was going to be when he was a lot younger. And and I think that it's beautiful that food has become the the thing that he's known for and the passion that he shares with the world. As Johnny has shared with us, like it, it is actually a lot easier than what we realise to access good produce and and skills and, and knowledge. And the, the fact that we can do this, like we can talk through things on a podcast and we can watch things on YouTube, it's, it's a great way of really grabbing some amazing recipes and some fantastic produce we're so lucky here in Australia to have access to some really good food and to just create some beautiful things even on a budget so I hope that you you have enjoyed today's episode I've learned a lot I'm really hungry I'm gonna go and make something yummy um food is definitely something I'm passionate about and um I don't necessarily spend a lot on it so um Go, go make something beautiful, share it with a loved one and we will chat to you again on the next episode of Growing Pains.